We are going to be in Deuteronomy today, chapter 6, but I am going to go back to 1 Samuel uh, just a little bit. So we've done a couple different messages in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, We looked at Hannah's prayer, uh, entitled that message, Silent Prayers. If you missed those, those are on YouTube. You can go and check them out. And there's two versions on YouTube now. You can get the live stream version, which is from beginning to end, or you can get the the edited version, which is just the message. So it depends on if you're just wanting the, the condensed version or what. So um, the live stream ones will, on the title slide will usually say live stream on them. All right. So, um, all right. So we looked at silent prayers, and then we also looked at last week hearing the voice of God. Um, what does that mean? How can we hear God's voice and allow Him to guide and direct our lives? So we looked at that. And then uh, there was one other thing that, surfaces in those first few chapters of 1 Samuel that bothers me. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about passing on the baton of faith. Passing on the baton of faith. So if you're in your Bible, um, let's just begin with a word of prayer and then we're going to dive into this. Is that okay? And uh, so Lord God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that is able to guide and direct our lives uh, and shape and mold us. And so Lord God, we just um, we invite your word to come and uh, speak to us today by your Holy Spirit. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to find my place here myself. So 1 Samuel chapter 2 is where I'm going to begin, and then we're gonna sh- we'll shift to Deuteronomy here. But in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, where we, we see Hannah's prayer, and you know she cries out to God for a son, for a child, because... Penina had children, but Hannah had, she had none. And so she cries out to God. God hears her prayer, and, and so Samuel is born to them. She dedicates him to the Lord. He grows up in the temple. But in the midst of that in chapter 2, we see uh, the middle part of chapter 2 there, we see that Eli's sons, even though Eli was the high priest, the seen as a spiritual leader of Israel, Eli's sons were wicked. And they served as priests. And so when it came time for the sacrifices and they were hungry, they didn't wait for the sacrifices to be offered. In fact, they went and said, hey, give us the best cuts of meat before you offer the sacrifice. We're going to take those home and roast them ourselves. All right? And so that, they were taking the best part instead of giving it to God. All right? And so that displeased God. And then and then the, the rumors floated that they were sleeping with the women that worked at the gate of the temple. That's never a good thing, right? And uh, sleeping with them. And so God said he was very displeased um, with Eli's sons. And because of that, God brought judgment. They'd end up both being killed and died. Okay? Um, and then you go to 1 Samuel chapter 8. So go ahead a couple chapters. Now Samuel is a prophet. He's the spiritual leader. Eli's gone. In chapter 8, verse 1, it says, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second son was Abijah. And they served in, served in Beersheba. But his sons did not, what? Follow in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramoth. 
And they said to him, You are old and your sons now follow your ways. Do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations to have. So that becomes um, one of the reasons why Israel asks for a king. And so we see this pattern in the first eight chapters of Samuel that Eli is the spiritual leader of Israel, but yet his kids don't follow in the ways of the Lord. And then we have Samuel, man, a great man of God, a prophet, speaks for God, and yet his sons don't follow his ways either. That bothers me. Does that bother you? That bothers you? So how, my question is today, is how can we pass on the baton of faith to the next generation? And so I'm going to have Sherry Heath come. She has the answers to that question. No, she, she's going to come with Archer. Come on up. And um, I got a baton here. I don't know if this is an official baton, but this is a baton that Amy got from school. So you're going to have to stand right out front here. She's going to illustrate. There's certain ways to pass off a baton and certain ways not to pass off a baton. And uh, so sh- go for it. It should be on, yes. Okay, so there's a couple rules with the baton. Paul's going to be, or Paul, Archer's going to be the incoming runner. I'm going to be the outcoming runner. And there's some rules you have to follow. So in the 4 by 100 it's a very quick, short race. And so you do what they call a blind exchange. And there's a line that once he passes that, then it's okay for me to accept the baton. But then there's also a line in front of me, as the outgoing runner, I cannot pass that line. If we don't make our baton exchange within that relay zone, then we get DQ'd. The other way that you can get DQ'd is if you drop the baton. Disqualified, right? Yeah, disqualified. Yeah, that's what DQ'd is, sorry. Um, so Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> you get ice cream. <laughs> no, you don't. But anyway, uh, the other thing is there's a level of trust that the outgoing runner has, especially in a blind exchange. So if Archer's coming in and I can watch him for a little bit until he crosses that line, it's usually a predetermined point. And it takes a lot of practice for the blind exchange. So you see, once he crosses that line, and his arms are pumping with that baton. And then as the outgoing runner, I know I got about two or three steps, and then I have to put my hand back to accept the baton, and then we can keep going. So that's a blind exchange. And there's some different ways you can hold your hand and accept that. But the important thing is the outgoing runner has to trust that that incoming runner is going to put the baton in your hand in a way that you're not going to drop it. So you're, there's a level of trust there and a level of trust that like if you're, you know that he's coming in hot, he's running as fast as he can and you have to get up to that speed in a very short amount of time so there's a, basically a seamless exchange. So if the baton drops? Then you're disqualified and all four job. runners lose out for what happened miscommunication-wise between two runners. So Mm -hmm. probably one of the best ways to do it efficiently and effectively is the practice is key, isn't it? Yeah. Practice (laughs) is key. All right. All right. Just give him a hand. And so what I see in the Christian realm is a lot of times we can have people that serve the Lord like an Eli and even more so like Samuel, just dedicated and serving God, but yet they don't pass their faith on to the next generation. 
And, and so that's what I want to dive deeper into. So I'm, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 because I think there's some principles here um, that apply to that because Israel has come out of Egypt. They go through the wilderness for 40 years and now they settle in the promised land. And God says, you know what? If, if you want to live under my blessing and for Israel to keep on in believing me, you're going to have to do some certain things. All right? Because if you don't follow in my ways, I'm gonna, I'm, there's going to be judgment, right? And God, He would end up sending them to Babylon, all right? Eventually that would happen because they didn't follow in His ways. He says, but if you follow my ways and your children follow in my ways, then you will live under my blessings, all right? And so that's what this passage in Deuteronomy is all about. How can we pass our faith on to the next generation? So um, let's look at that together, starting in verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, these are the commands and decrees and laws that the Lord your God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you and your children and their children after them, so down to the third generation or beyond, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. So fear the Lord means that you have a healthy respect for who God is and you're going to follow His ways. It doesn't mean that you're terrified and petrified of God. Now, we all should be to some degree, but God wants to be in a relationship with us. He is God, all right? But there has to be that idea that we respect who He is, that He is God, right? Um, he has that power. That they have a fear for God as long as you live by keeping His decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Verse 3, Hear Israel and be careful to obey uh, that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, Okay, just uh, terms there used for prosperity, just bounty and blessing, just as the Lord your God and ancestors promised you. And one of the things about Israel is that Israel does not have a lot of natural, um, it wasn't like Egypt that had the Nile River going through it. Israel was dependent upon the rains and the rains coming at the right time. If the rains did not come at the right time or did not come at all, they were in trouble. Therefore, they were dependent upon God blessing them and going before them and there was a lot of idolatry in that land as they moved in the people before them were very much involved in idolatry worshiping other gods Baal and Ashereth they were all fertility gods they were all gods that the people would go to so that they would have good crops and livestock and and families right and and so because that area of the world was very dependent upon the timely rains and the seasons all right Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. So this is called the Shema. Um, it comes from that first word, hear or listen. Um, and so we'll talk a little more about that. Hear, O Lord, Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. So just stamp it on them, right? All right, talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down. When you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. They actually literally did this. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, and so I want to talk about a few things here. What, what can we, how can we pass on the baton of faith to the next generation? And so verse 4, I think we see our first point. We must know what we believe. We must know what we believe. Okay? You personally. 
You can't pass on anything to the next generation if you don't have know what you believe, right? And the Shema says, hey, this is a declaration. The Lord our God, He is Yahweh, He is one. He is the Lord our God. And so in a nation, they were going into a region that believed in many gods, okay? A lot of different gods. And so the God of the Jews, the Lord our God, He is one God, right? And He is to be worshipped. Here, this is what that means. It means here that um, I am God and that I am one. And so they worshipped a lot of different gods in that region, and so the Jewish people were to be separate from that. They were to follow God and to worship Him in all their ways and to, um, to pass that on to the next generation. We must know what we believe. Do we know that there is one God and that He is our Lord and our Savior? It is our choice to follow Him. God is not forcing these believers here that He's talking to. He's not forcing them to follow them, Him. That was their choice, just as, as it is ours today. But we must make that decision ourselves. It's a declaration that we are going to serve the Lord our God. If you, what you believe is murky and unclear, it's even going to be more so to those that are watching your life. You follow me? If you don't know what it is that you believe and follow within your own life, you're going to have a very difficult time passing that on because it, it's murky, it's unclear. You can't pass on to others what you yourself do not possess. I can't pass a million dollars on to my kids. <laughs> right? Why? Because I don't have a million dollars in the bank right now, right? You can't pass on what you don't possess. And that means your faith as well. You can't expect your kids to be, have this dynamic faith to love God and, and serve Him and know what they believe if you yourself don't have that nailed down yourself. You follow me? Um, know what you believe. And then in verses 5-6, through six, we see that we must be all in. It says to serve the Lord your God with all your heart. Not just half your heart, some of your heart. All your heart, with all your soul, with all your strengths. These commandments I give to you are to be on your hearts. Right? So it's not like you're supposed to get tattoos on your chest, right? Okay? That's not what he's saying, but when we do something with all of our heart, it means there's passion involved. There's, it, it has all of us. We are all in. The whole person is serving God. One of the things I think that hinders us passing on our faith to the next generation is mixed messaging. We can say one thing in public, and maybe we can even be in here on church on a Sunday morning, right? That's usually one of the more public ways that we signify that we have a faith in God as being at church. But if that doesn't align with what happens at home, there's a mixed message, Okay? And I'll look at my own self, you look at your own self, okay? But I'm just being, I, I grew up in the church and I saw parents that were in church, other parents, other families that were in church with us. But I saw there was mixed messaging, you know. Maybe the entertainment choices at home weren't, didn't align with what they believed on a Sunday morning, right? And so the kids would watch things that they shouldn't be. Or... Um, other forms of entertainment, uh, maybe just in, in regards to integrity or even just their faith. 
You know, you can be in church, but if there's no mention of God throughout the week, right? If there's no prayer time, if there's, they don't see any devotional life in your life where you're reading your Bible or praying, kids are smart. Kids are smart. They can see between the lines. They can see, hey, you're in church, but I don't see any evidence in your life throughout the week. Um, you can talk about love and grace all you want, but if your kids don't see that, at home or how you treat other people, there's a mixed message. Um, as a young minister, I, I was always at counselor at youth camp, and often the kids that I would struggle with were pastor's kids. Um, and it wasn't so much the mixed message that maybe came from their parents, but it was the mixed message they got from other believers in the church. So not only does, as an adult, I may be speaking more to the adults here right now, when we dedicate a child to the Lord up here, it's mainly the parents that are dedicating it, that child to the Lord, right? But I always end that part with saying that as the congregation, we're going to do our part to be a godly example for them, right? Um, and that is important too because not only are kids watching their parents' life, they're also watching the other adults in their lives that profess to be a Christian, they're watching how that looks. And I would say for the most part, our kids had a very positive experience. There's a few things that happened, though, that by godly well, people that called themselves a Christian, they saw a, a message that didn't line up. And they still remember some of that stuff till this day. Kids are watching. Um, we have to be all in. That speaks of passion um, about what we believe. Um, so this is what Jesus had to say, all right? Jesus would say it this way in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Basically repeats that. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in other words, if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfill all the commandments in Scripture, right? Isn't that cool? You can boil them down to two. Heart speaks of passion. And one of the things I know about passion is that it is contagious, right? Next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, right? And um, so how many are going for KC? I'm gonna, got anybody going for KC? Anybody going for San Fran? We got a few San Frans. All right, yeah. All right, so next Sunday... We, we, this, we did this last year. I think we had the Hubbles with us, missionaries to the Ukraine, and we did a Super Bowl giving. So we're going to do that again. We're going to have a big bowl, and we're going to give, all right? And, um, and so you can bring cash or check, and uh, you can vote for either the, the Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers, all right? And we'll see which team gets the most, but it's all going to go towards supporting our missionary. Our missionary is Jeff Nelson, uh, works, um, works with uh, Dan Sandos' sister and husband with Africa's Hope, so he'll be with us. He's our, our cousin, he's my cousin, and uh, he'll be here with us. You'll enjoy him. Um, but passion, you can always tell what people are passionate about, right? They don't have to tell you what they're passionate about. You can just watch their life for a little bit and you know what they're passionate about, right? You know, religion is a cold word. Cold word. It speaks of rigid devotion, rules. 
But it doesn't always mean that you love to do something. It doesn't mean that you always love God. You can be religious about something, but that doesn't mean that there's that relationship. And Jesus never called us to be religious. He did call us to be in relationship with Him and to love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. If we love Him with all our heart and soul and mind, the other things fall in place, right? We're going to follow God with all, everything that we have and walk in His ways. Our right behavior flows out of that. So number three, from the Shema we learn, we learn to, we have to know what we believe, Right? And then we have to be all in. And number three, we must be intentional. And see, when um, Sherry was describing to us about passing off the baton, you wouldn't want to just go out there and run the race in a relay and not practice, right? You have to be intentional about that. You have to practice and get that down because dropping the baton disqualifies you. And if you read verses 7 through 9, it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them at home. So it's just talking about the teachings of God's Word. When you walk down the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. And I don't think God is saying to do this literally. They actually did that literally. They still practice some of that today in Judaism. Right? You know, Put scripture on your microwave or your refrigerator or bathroom mirror. Yeah. Verse of the day. Anybody do that? You know, that's cool. I, I, I think what he's saying is, is to have it out in front of you. Make it part of your life, right? Teach, walk, lie down with it, get up with it. Make it part of your life. And while serving God is an individual, serving, is an individual decision, passing that on to future generations has to be intentional, right? Um, can it happen by osmosis? I think it can. It can happen by osmosis, but I don't think the results are predictable. Now, having said that, is, is there a 100% success rate in raising kids? No. Um, but your chances go up if you're intentional about what you do. Um, teaching them at home have a Bible-believing church. We must be intentional about talking about it at home, praying together, um, sharing your experiences with them, not only the victories but also the defeat, challenges, temptations, helping them to navigate that um, in their own life, weaving it into every part of your family from morning to evening. So um, it's good to have my parents here with us today. And we went down to Missouri, came back. So we came back yesterday, stopped in St. Joseph on the way back. My mom wanted to go to Chick-fil-A, so we went to Chick-fil-A. And we, we sat down there just busier than cra- ever, you know, at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Sat down, um, got our meals. But I saw this, this lady with a couple kids in line to order. And then her husband came up with one of the kids as well. So they had two older daughters and... And a boy that reminded me of Jackson, about that age, maybe a little bit younger, but about Jackson's age, just full of energy and life, and then the two older girls. Well, they ended up sitting down right next to us, right behind my parents, sitting right down next to us. And what really got my attention, so they all sat down, the food came, and he goes, okay, let's all join hands. And they prayed, and they, they prayed, and he, did, he just did it. You could tell that they were, they were a great family, just how they interacted with their kids. And, and so before I left, I just went up there and, 
and said hi to him. I said, you know, I'm, I'm talking about passing on your fa- the faith to the next generation. And mom just said, you know, that's what we're really hoping to do. She grew up in Sioux City. Uh, he grew up in Kansas. Uh, they live in St. Joe's. Um, but you could just see, I, they didn't have to tell me that they were a Christian. I could just see it by watching their family and what they did. And, and it wasn't, religion wasn't something that they were just slapping on there. It was part of who they were. And it was very positive. And their kids, you could just see it in their kids as well. Um, a great family. Um, and I thought, you know what, they were... You know, I don't know if I'll ever see them again. All I know is that they were doing a good job of passing their faith on to that next generation. They were doing some things right. Um, I thought, man, I wish I had that much energy as the dad did. I thought he was just, he was, he was great. Um, in conclusion, I'm having the musicians come. Uh, they're going to come up to the front here. You know, in most cases, you don't have to tell me what you are passionate about. I can tell by the clothes that you wear, the things where you spend your money, what you buy at the store, how you spend your time, what you talk about. I can pick it up pretty fast. I can go in somebody's home and I can pick up pretty fast what they enjoy and do. You know, nothing wrong with that. You just, we do, we can pick it up. Oh, they like hunting, or they like agriculture, or they like racing, right? Um, you, you, you pick up on stuff real fast, what they talk about. And I've, I've shared this before, but our first trip to Nebraska, other than going down I-29 uh, many times, but our first trip here to really talk about the church here, um, it was on Red White Weekend in April uh, 2005. And so they couldn't get a motel for us. We had to stay at the Microtel Inn or something like that. We stayed there. Uh, went to eat at Cracker Barrel that morning, Saturday morning, and it was packed out. And everybody has their red and white gear on, right? And even the grandmas is kind of like, what in the world is going on today? Well, we find out red-white game, right? And that's why we couldn't get the motel rooms, and that's... Everybody was dressed up for that. It's kind of like, wow, Nebraska's really crazy about their football team, right? Um, yeah, you can see what people are passionate about. No one had to tell us that Nebraska likes their Husker football team. You know, being at church on a Sunday morning, being part of a small group, being having the kids and youth and youth group and children's activities, all that is important in developing faith in a young person. But it's still not a replacement for our faith being lived out at home and talked about as we live our life. Amen? Um, Kids pick up their cues from a lot of different places. And and adults, I'm not going to point any fingers. I did some things right. I did some things not as good. Um, you know, my parents are here, and um, all three of us kids are serving God. You know, they did a lot of things. My parents did a lot of things right. They weren't perfect, all right? Um, there's times my dad lost his temper and, and, and things like that. They weren't perfect. He's even talked about that here on a Sunday. Um, I wasn't a perfect dad. I'm still, in, you know, we're still mom and dad. We're still um, working through that, you know. The rearing the kids part is kind of done, right? 
Um, but there's things, you know, I know there's times I lost my temper and we made mistakes. We could have, you kind of look back and think maybe we should have done things differently, right? But I think having some systems in place in your home and your family are so important. What my parents did right is they did have us in church Sunday morning and Sunday night, okay, because we had church on Sunday nights in those days, and on Wednesdays for activities there. But even beyond that, we had devotions in the home. We prayed at home. There was those things that happened within the home as well. There was alignment there. Um, entertainment choices, you know. There's times I thought they were a little too rigid on the Sabbath day, the Sunday thing, but, um, but there was that alignment there with what they believed. And I think those are the things that stick. Amen? And, uh, you know, so if you're here today and your kids are young, you know, you still got, you still have a lot. Maybe it was modeled for you. Maybe it wasn't. If it wasn't modeled for you, it's always a little bit harder. But surround yourself with people that did do it. You go, man, they have a good family. What can I learn from them? Right? And whatever stage you're at, it's never too late to start. Amen? And uh, my folks are... uh, Mom turns 86 today, right? She's 86 today, so she's here on her birthday. And uh, Dad'll be 86 in July here. Um, but, you know, and even just the passion in their own lives, they, they didn't come from the best families. They both came from alcoholic families. Um, you know, so things weren't perfect. But they had people that led them to Christ, um, brought them to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They were part of a church that poured into them. Um, and then they poured into us. So it can happen. We can pass the faith on to the next generation. Amen? I don't, you know, that is one of the things when I read through Scripture and look at the parenting There's a lot of godly men, especially, that I see in Scripture that did not pass their faith on to the next generation very well. David, Solomon. I mean, David had maybe Solomon, but there's a lot of his kids that didn't turn out very well. Um, So, would you stand this morning? Would you stand? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. I do this every service because maybe somebody's watching online. Somebody, maybe somebody's here today. You just don't have that. You don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if, if God would call you home today, that you'd have the hope of heaven. And Scripture is clear that we can know, that we can believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We can be saved. And it is a declaration but it's also a lifestyle making Him the Lord of our life. So I don't want to give you the impression that if you pray the prayer and then you go off and do whatever you want to do, I don't... It has to align with our actions as well. Amen? So would you pray with me today just as a group, especially if you want to make that prayer your own today. Let's say, Dear God, come into my heart today. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Be my Lord and my Savior. 
and walk with me each day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And Lord, I pray um, just over each one here today. We're all at different stages. We got children here. We got young people. We got young parents. We got parents here with the teenagers, and we got parents uh, that are empty nesters. We got grandparents here. Lord God, we, we influence whether we're a, a parent now or a grandparent. We're all influencing the next generation. We're all influencing those that are to follow after, as a parent, as an adult. And Lord God, help us to pass that faith on to the next generation. Lord God, it has to be intentional in what we do. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's guarantees. Godly people that have had all the right things in place still have kids that go their own way. But Scripture says, gives us that promise in Proverbs that if we train a child in the way they should go, they'll not depart from it. In other words, that hopefully they come back to what they were taught that was placed within them. And so, Lord God, we uh, just pray this morning, however this message applies to us today, give us the wisdom. Help us to know what we believe. Help us to be all in in our faith. Because just... It's not wrong to be passionate about other things, but there has to be our passion for God has to be evident to the world around us. Not just by the words that we say, but just how we live our life. And Lord God, um, let us be intentional about raising up that next generation to love you, to serve you with all their heart, their soul, and their mind. Lord God, we ask that in the name of Jesus. The last thing I want somebody to leave here this morning and, and look back and say, man, I, I, I could have done so much better as a parent. Yeah. You know, we can't go back and change the past. All we can do is go forward. And condemnation is not of God. And so uh, I believe in the power of prayer. Uh, and I believe in God's just redemptive power to reach and um, if I mention the name Jim Syllaba I don't know if you recognize his name he probably would recognize the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir and so his he would pastor the Brooklyn Tabernacle and his wife would do the choir um, but I believe their daughter Chrissy grew up in the church and got to hear her testimony in person this last August in Ohio, but um, she just shared her own testimony. She grew up in the church and then she left the church. Life happened to her. She got into drugs, alcohol, bad relationships. But it was really at a prayer meeting where the church was praying for her that um, she was going to take her life that night. She saw her parents the next day and said, what happened? What did you guys do? And, and they said, we were praying for you. And, um, God just really intervened and, and brought her back. Her and her husband are serving God in ministry. Um, 
there's power in prayer. So if you close your eyes, but if you have a family member, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a great grandchild that just is not walking with God, and, uh, and you just want to lift them up into the Lord in prayer this morning. I don't believe anybody just comes to Christ on their own. I believe that somebody has been praying that they can come to know Christ. Somebody's praying, a grandma, a mom, somebody, dad, somebody's been praying for them. Just raise that hand high to the Lord this morning. Father, you see the hands that are there. Lord God, it resembles, it reminds us, it symbolizes somebody that needs Christ, a loved one, somebody that we care about that needs you as their Lord and their Savior. And Lord God, we just pray right now, Lord, for your authority and your power to go forth, to to break into their life, Lord God, to bring them to you, Lord, whether it's just your grace that overwhelms them today right at this moment, Lord God, or you, you put somebody in their pathway that shares Christ to them. And maybe it's a father, a mom that doesn't know Christ. Lord God, that you would just remove any barriers, Lord God. Give them an open heart, an open heart to receive you today. Lord God, an open heart. Go before us. Favor, we pray, Lord God. So, Lord God, you see those hands. We just pray for the salvation of those hands, of, of the lives that are represented by the hands raised. And, Lord God, I pray that you go with us this day. Let us be a blessing in this world. Let us be all in. Let the glory of God be evident in our lives, in the world around us. Let us be the light of Christ. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave today.